Hey guys, it's been 12 days since the Supreme Court ruled on the Dobbs case and overturned Roe v. Wade. Um, I think it's time we come together and discuss this. I've taken some time to really think about it, to really, to really wrap my mind around this, to try to approach this from uh, the most loving, sensible, and scientific way I can. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into it. in, I want to acknowledge the high emotions flying around this topic. Um, I actually wondered if I wanted to record a podcast uh, addressing this issue. And the reason why I wondered if I wanted to record the podcast was because I didn't want to add to people's um, ability or, or even uh, desire to lash out at other people. Uh, I think there's a lot of great conversations that have um, come up in the 12 days since the Dobbs decision was was handed down. Um, but there's also been a lot more uh, hateful speech, misinformed, uh, maybe on both sides, but hateful speech uh, and hateful actions um, that, have, that have come by. Um, I've seen people that I thought were, were compassionate, doing nothing but uh, swearing and lashing out at others who, who who disagreed with them without, without conversation, without um, the, the mutual respect of saying, well, I don't agree with you, but explain to me why you believe what you believe and allow me to explain to you what I believe. I think we have to work hard to get to a point of mutual respect. And what I mean by that is there may be people that disagree with me um, and I want to hear them out and, and, and their logic and why they believe what they believe. Um, and I, hope that people would offer me or people on a different side the same respect. So the reason why I thought about doing an episode on abortion is because I didn't want to add to the potential evil and hate uh, that is that is still present um, within our culture. Um, I want I want our culture to continue to have discussions. I want our cu culture to continue to to even disagree, um, but do it in respectful ways. That's that that's my biggest biggest plea. So, if you're listening to this episode and and hoping to gain an understanding for for why I believe what I believe, well then I'm excited you're here. Um, if you're listening to this episode and and getting angry and getting emotional over it, um, I I just ask you to shut it off and 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 not not allow yourself to get to that point. Um, and if you want to have a discussion about it, I am I am all about having that discussion. So as we move on, uh, I have decided to record this episode. Obviously, here I am <laughs> with 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 the with episode titled abortions. Uh, but at, before we move on to where I stand now, I think it's important to take a step back and talk about where I was. If you've listened to this podcast um, for the previous five episodes, first, thanks so much. I'm excited to have you know, both of you guys listening to this, that's exciting. Um, but I, I, I want to make sure that people understand that where I stand now is not where I always stood. Um, and although I'm very vocal about where I stand now, there was a long transition that helped me move from 
the place I was before to the place I am now. Now, the major thing that's happened between my previous position and my current position is me choosing to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I would have always said that I was a Christian. And so, like I said, if you listen to this episode, you've heard that before. If you knew me before, um, you knew that I was not a Christian. I was not a follower of Christ. I, I, I did not uh, have a biblical worldview. That was not who I was. Um, but in my early 30s, I, I had an opportunity to really investigate the claims of Christ and then make a decision whether I thought he was worth following or not. And when I say he's worth following or not, what I mean is to understand that he is the truth, the way, and the life, just as the Bible says that he is. And if that's true, if I do believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, then I must live my life in accordance to his words, his teachings, and understand that the Bible is uh, authoritative on all topics. Um, so, yes, the, the thing that ultimately changed my mind uh, is my faith. Things that assisted in changing my mind and my position on abortion uh, actually also includes um, science, advances in science and medical technology. Um, this is really important because some people will say, I don't care about your faith. I don't care about your religion. Leave me alone. Um, and although I would come back and say I'm not religious, uh, that's, that's not a conversation for now. My, my stance is not totally in religion. Um, so I want to make sure that that's understood and well-known. Um, but my position previous before becoming a, a Christian, become, before becoming a, a true active follower of Jesus Christ and engager in my faith, um, I was very much pro-choice. I was not pro-abortion. I still viewed abortion as... As, uh, as, as not a good thing, but maybe a, a necessary thing. So before I became, before I moved to Oregon, before I became a follower of Jesus Christ, I thought abortion was something that um, was necessary. And I agreed with the ideas um, of, of the, the more left side, the more uh, Democrat, the more, the more liberal side of uh, safe, rare, and legal. I, I, I totally bought into that idea. Um, and I did for a couple reasons. Uh, the first reason I bought into that idea was because I thought because I was a male, I had no right to even engage in conversation dealing with that. And there's still people who believe that's true. Now, the reason why I moved away from that mindset was because this decision isn't only about women. Number one, it should and, and, and rightfully should include the father in this decision. Um, the father should be involved. The father should be uh, invested uh, in, in the life of his unborn child. Uh, but the biggest reason I don't believe in that mindset anymore is because my perspective is not a woman's choice although I do believe women should have choice in many things, my perspective is now the life of the baby. Um, there are people who will say uh, fetus is not a baby and we'll, we'll, we'll pop into that, but my perspective has changed. My position has changed because now instead of being focused on a women's choice, a choice, uh, 
it is it is focused on a child's ability to live. Um, so that's why I moved away from the if I'm a man, I can't talk about this mindset. Uh, a second reason um, that I that I was always uh, pro-choice uh, in the safe, legal, and rare mindset was was because I understood that having a child could drastically affect a person's or people's uh, ability to uh, live life the way they might want to live life. Um, having having children now uh, and understanding what life is as a parent, number one, I understand the blessing that it is. That's important. Um, and, and number two, I see that mindset as an incredibly selfish mindset, caring about the life I want to live over the life of a person uh, is an incredibly selfish mindset. And finally, uh, going back to who I was before I became a follower of Christ, uh, you, you will, you, if you know me, you know I grew up in a very highly sexualized life. Um, and I was very, uh, I was very sexually active um, throughout my, my young life and my young adult life and, and even into college and post-collegially for a while. I didn't understand uh, the idea of, of sex between one man and one woman in the confines of marriage. I didn't, I didn't get that for a number of reasons. Um, but the reason I believed in uh, pro-choice was because I didn't want my desire to be sexually active to be affected by um, the potential of having a baby. So, you know, in, in that sense, I was very uh, selfish myself. Um, and I've, I've moved away from that mindset at this point. And I think it's really important that, that people understand that, that my position as a pro-life person is not something that I've always believed. I, I transitioned here. I grew into this position and I grew into this position for a number of reasons that we'll talk about uh, throughout this episode. The reason we'll talk about those is because I want people to understand why I myself am, uh, am unapologetically pro-life and what that means. I think there's confusion about what that might mean. I think there's confusion about what that means. I think about certain things um, and I want to help people understand exactly what my position is as as well as I can do in, in a few minute podcast. So um, so those are the two things I wanted to really make sure that there's a lot of emotions running high here. And I, I want to uh, respect that um, and at the same time try to avert uh, the emotional topic because because rarely is an emotional decision, a rational decision. Um, and, and I also wanted people to understand how I got to where I am, that I wasn't always here. Um, I wanted people to understand that I wasn't raised pro-life. I wasn't raised uh, Christian. Um, that's something that I grew into in, in my investigation of, of what life is, what it means in my worldview. So as we move into this, I want to keep those things, those things in mind. All right, so when I say my stance is pro-life, uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I am pro-life, not just pro-birth. I'm not saying that people should birth these babies and then I'm, I'm not going to care about them anymore. I care about babies in the womb. I care about babies out of the womb. I really like the way uh, Vadi Bakum says it. He's, he's, a, he's a pastor. Um, he's actually the lead of a school in Africa now, but he's a pastor um, out of California and Texas. 
Uh, but he says, uh, I care about babies from the womb to the tomb. Um, and what he's saying is that he cares for the whole life of that individual. Um, and that's my sense of, of being pro-life. So we, we should come around and we should rally around uh, people who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy situation. By crisis pregnancy situation, I, I just mean people who are not planning a pregnancy and find out that they are pregnant. I think we should, we should follow ourselves. Oh, we should find ourselves supporting those people. Um, and when I say people, I do mean the mother and the father, because I do strongly believe that fathers should be far more involved than they are. And I think that there's a couple reasons why they aren't. But one of the biggest reasons why I think they aren't is because young men are not raised in a way to understand what responsibilities they have for their actions. Um, so I think it's important that we we help young people become great adults. That is, that's Specifically, I'm talking about men at this point, young men, help young men become great adults, become responsible adults, become loving and caring and grace-oriented and, 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 and uh, just wholesome, responsible adults. So uh, if, if there's somebody out there who, who has the mindset of, we should talk to those guys who are just going and impregnating people and leaving, yes, I have no problem talking to them about them calling them out for what they're doing because that is not a lifestyle uh, that I think is a healthy lifestyle. Knowing full well that I myself had been in that lifestyle previously. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's important to understand that when I say pro-life, I truly mean pro-life, not just pro-birth. And while we're talking about pro-life, I think there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings when it comes to pro-life. A lot of people think that pro-life means that, that you are against uh, medical procedures in any situation that can result in the separation of uh, a, a baby and its mother. Um, you know, some people brought up ectopic pregnancies. Um, you, know, are, you know, what are you going to do about that? Well, that's a medical procedure that's not an abortion. Um, what, what, about a, what about a baby that um, has, has uh, either lost its heartbeat or or is no longer alive, you know, what, what happens then? Well, that's a medical procedure. And, and these, these conversations, which are incredibly complex, need to be discussed individually. So pro-life does not mean that we care more about the baby's life than the mother's life. It means we hold those both in, in equal importance. Um, so it's important to understand that's when, when, when people say pro-life, that's what it means. Um, it does not negate the importance of, of the mother. It does not devalue the importance of, of uh, the, the mom's life or livelihood or you know plans. That's not what it what it means. Uh, what pro-life means is as far as we can, we want to preserve the life of the baby in the womb. I was listening to this this wonderful podcast uh, the other day, and it's it's actually done by um, oh, what's what's that pro podcast name? It's Monique Dusan and uh, I'll look it up in a minute. But um, this this all the things. So the podcast is called All the Things, um, and on that podcast they had they had an OBGYN on who was a pro life OBGYN that explained things super well. And one of the things she said that really stuck out to me 
is as an OBGYN with, with a pregnant woman in her office, um, she has to understand that she has two patients. Um, she has a patient who, who is outside the womb and a patient who's inside the womb. Um, and so that, that, that was a really, really neat episode. I'll, I'll try to remember to put that, a connection to that podcast in, in the notes for this podcast. But what it was a, it's a, it's a wonderfully well-spoken um, way of, of describing her pro-life position as an OBGYN, um, who, uh, if, if, if we are honest with ourselves, knows more about this than almost every single person speaking out about this topic on both sides. Um, so it's important to, to harness that information and understand a little bit about that. So, um, but that's what the pro-life stance means. It means that we, if we're going to do whatever we can to try to preserve a life that is not just a potential human, but a human with potential. That's what pro-life means. And that's the definition I'm going to use for pro-life here. Now, I also want to talk a little bit about pro-choice uh, because I think there are just just like there's different perceptions of pro-life. I think there's different perceptions of what makes someone pro-choice. Um, there's there's there are some people that are angry and lashing out and do believe that taking a baby out of the womb needlessly. When I say needlessly, I mean out of convenience for the parent's lifestyle. Um, there are people out there that believe that's why abortion should be legal and accessible. Um, however, I do believe there's also pro-choice people who are actually more pro-life than they want to admit. Um, and what I mean by that is they, they believe that for the most part, abortion should not be an option, but there need to be exceptions to that rule. And that could be and is often um, just uh medically a medical reason um that's important for for us to understand as we think about what pro-choice really means um and and i think there's also a lot of people who think they know what pro-life is and think they know what pro-choice is and think they know what pro-abortion is and oftentimes they are mistaken on what those things mean so because this is such a complex issue, I think we need to do our due diligence in understanding what this means. So as we move forward in this episode, I want to focus on uh, a touch of, of, of science, a touch of uh, medical advancements and where we are medically right now, and then a touch of faith-based um, ideology about why I stand where I stand. Now, before I hop into what my position is and why it is what it is, um, I want people to know that, that I love healthy, robust, respectful conversation. So if, if you want to have conversation about this topic, about abortion, pro-choice, pro-life, why you believe in what you believe, why you believe what I think is, is wrong, what, I, I, would, I would love to have those conversations with people. Um, and I would love to do it in a in a gentle and respectful way, um, and that's that's what I want to make sure we do. Um, so if you if you want to have a real conversation about this, I'm I, I would love to do that. We can grab a coffee, um, we can do whatever you want, um, and 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 hang out and have that conversation. Um, 
So, so make sure that you understand that 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 offer stands and it stands for anybody with any position, with any belief. Um, and again, it, it, as long as we're able to have a respectful conversation, I'm all game. So here's, here's what I believe. Number one, you already understand this, I'm sure, but I am pro-life. I'm, I'm pro-life for a couple reasons. And ultimately it comes down to uh, what Scott Klusendorf says, and that's Klusendorf, K-L-U-S-E-N-D-O-R-F. Um, and he talks about uh, his, his position. He's actually a pro-life apologetist, which just means he, he argues uh, pro-life stance uh, wherever he goes. Um, and this, this uh, I, I first came in contact with him on the Alyssa Childers podcast um, and YouTube channel. So if you, if you want to check that out, that's, that's there too. I'll try to remember to put that in the episode notes as well. But one of the things that he says that just really rang true to me as being super, super logical and simple is this. Uh, it's a syllogism and syllogism just means that there, there's a couple things stated that, that has a conclusion. So number one, um, it's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Number two, abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. Therefore, abortion must be wrong. And, and, and that, that mindset, that idea um, just stuck with me because it's, it's very simple. That's the pro-life position. Um, that that killing an innocent human being is wrong. Abortion does that, so abortion abortion is wrong. And he also goes on to talk about how um, you know a lot of people will talk about how uh, if it's early enough on in the pregnancy, the 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 thing in the belly of the woman is not a human life. Um, it's not a baby. It's not. It's it's a zygote or it's a clump of cells or whatever it is. Um, now, number one, I think I, I think medical advances have moved on um, to a point where we understand enough about how life begins to really set aside that that argument um, from the moment of conception uh, that that human living inside another human um, is is an individual human with its own DNA um, the the their eye color their hair color their height their everything that DNA helps uh, tell us about a person it's already there from the moment of conception um, so so you know the unborn baby or the unborn human is a distinct living whole human being and so this guy, Scott Klusendorf, uh, goes on with, with an acronym that really talks about um, why, why it is unjustifiable to needlessly end a pregnancy. And he uses an acronym of SLED, S-L-E-D. Um, and, this, and, and what this what he uses this for, uh, first, uh, S is for size. The, the size of the human living inside uh the belly of another person does not determine its worth. Um, if that was the case, then then anybody who is taller than you has more right to life than you do. Um, and that just simply is not true. The L uh, stands for level of development. Um, and so <clears throat> the, the level of development does not make that, that baby more or less human. 
Um, so as a baby develops, you can you you can understand that it is developing into what we might see as a human being, but medically speaking, anatomically speaking, that is a human being. So level of development does not discern whether uh, that living creature should live or die, or at least justify that that decision. Um, the E in SLED stands for environment, in or out of the womb. So uh, his point here is that um, if you if you need or or have um, to justify uh, your your desire to abort a baby because it's inside a womb instead of outside the womb, that's simply environment. An environment should not discern whether someone lives or dies. It does not matter whether you're inside your house or outside your house. That does not give you a difference in worth that allows you to, to take or, or keep a life. And the D in SLED talks about degree of dependency. There's, there's an argument that because this baby is dependent on the mother, that that is not a, a living human being. And that's important because, um, you know, dependency does not determine uh, one's worth. Um, a, a baby is dependent up until, I don't know, uh, 13, really. Uh, it's really hard for, for a child, um, a young child to, to live. And, and that's important that we understand that. So um, degree of dependency does not determine whether uh, a person is justified in taking the life of another human being. So I have my, uh, my belief based uh, not only in in science of, of seeing how babies are formed and, and, and how early on they have uh, DNA and, and uh, just attributes that make them human, um, but also through my faith. And, and although a lot of people will dismiss faith because they don't have faith and they don't want faith and they don't want faith to inform uh, their, their, um, their life from a political standpoint, and I totally understand where they're coming from. It does affect my faith. Uh, from from King David writing Psalm one thirty nine that that he says that um, he was knit together uh, in his mother's womb to to Jeremiah the prophet Jeremiah being formed in the womb and God knowing the plans that he had for him uh, to to the New Testament where Paul talks about the plans that God has for us uh, even before we were born or the foundation of the world. <clears throat> I think it's important that we understand that when we think about people being made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, that we realize that that does include those that have not yet passed through the birth canal. Uh, that's really important because um, there is really no difference between uh, a baby that is two months old uh, and a baby that is two months away from being born. Um, other than location. Uh, it does not change their humanity. It does not change uh, their their species, their 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 genus. It does not change any of that. Um, and the as you go back, uh, it's important to realize that moving back an arbitrary week does not change that being a, a human or being less than human. Uh, that justifies its its death. And so um, even just a few years ago, we used to think about the age of viability for a baby being 25 weeks. 
Um, but recently it's been moved down to 22 weeks and there's nothing we've discovered that makes the baby more human at 22 weeks than 25 weeks other than advances in medical technology that allows us to keep that baby alive outside the womb. Um, so the idea of viability making uh, the stance for that, that being being human is, is, is hard to justify. Um, so when I, when I look at a baby, I, I, I see that baby being made in the image of, uh, image of God. Um, you know, we also see in the Bible that, uh, John the Baptist, uh, was filled with the Holy spirit, even inside the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. And that's, that's another example of, of, of babies being intended by God for birth. Um, you know, so it's it's important to understand that, yes, I am informed in my decision by, by science and technology and medical advances and also my faith. There's actually a really good podcast out there uh, by, by John Cooper, the lead singer of Skillet. Um, he's got a podcast called Cooper Stuff, and, and he addresses the Christian belief as well. And, and, and you can check that out. I won't say everything that he said, um, but it was a really well done um, podcast as well. Um, so uh, my stance is based on all of these things, and none is more important than the other, and, and, and none is less significant than the other. They all inform my position on the, the abortion issue, um, and that of being uh, unapologetically pro-life. So you've heard some people talk about, well, now the real hard work begins. And, and although I think what they're saying is that because Roe v. Wade has been uh, overturned at the federal level that now it, it is sent to the state level uh, to be to be discussed and determined by individual states. Um, what I do believe is that the the work has has already been done in many situations. People have been working uh, to help people understand the pro-life stance. Um, and at the same time, I think we need to continue. Um, and if we haven't been, we need to start loving people where they're at. We need to love people. Um, the way Jesus commands us to love. So what, what's that mean for us as Christians in this time? Well, it means people are going to, people are going to fight and they're going to disagree and they're going to argue and, and we, we, we can engage in conversation with people, but we need to do it in a loving and respectful way. What's that mean when people come uh, to, to our church seeking acceptance, but, but knowing in the back of their mind that they may have had an abortion in the past or, or they, they, they may still agree with the, the pro-choice stance. And, and what's that mean for them? Well, it means we got to love them and, and help them understand that, um, that, that Jesus loves them too. And um, if, if they have had an abortion in the past, um, to not let that shame bog them down from a relationship with a loving God who wants, wants uh, them reconciled back to him uh, through, through uh, repentance and, and, and choosing to follow Jesus. Um, we, we, we need to, as a church, make sure that we're promoting that idea that, that this is a place of grace. The church, globally, is a place of grace and mercy and of love. And if we can't have that, then we are not representing the church the way Jesus intended us to represent the church. Um, we do need to have that. Now, it's important to understand that having love, grace, and mercy does not mean shying away from speaking truth. 
That's so, so important. We can speak out truth, but we can speak it out in a loving way. There's no reason that we need to, to stop speaking truth in order to love. Jesus always spoke truth and he always spoke love at the same time, equally, all the time. And if he can do it and we're trying to be like him, then we can work hard to make that our position in, our, in what we do. So um, we as a church need to make sure that we're stepping up and loving people and having conversations with people, helping them understand in a gentle and respectful way, just as 1 Peter 3, 15, 16 says, why we believe what we believe and how does that affect our relationship and love to them as individuals. Um, that's going to be really important as we move forward because we need to make sure um, that people aren't distorting the truth of Scripture to, to move their agenda forward that is not God's agenda. Um, so we need to make sure that we are loving people in a way that is out loud and intentional um, and, and honoring to the truth of God. Um, so with, with that being said, what's, what's this Roe v. Wade decision mean for us uh, in our individual states? Um, so uh, I, I, curr- I live in Oregon. The laws in Oregon will not change. It, 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 it was, before this decision came out, one of the most progressive um, states for allowances of abortion in the country. And they have come out and said that they're going to expand those laws. Um, I'm not quite sure how you expand uh, the laws they already had um, on the books here in Oregon, but they're going to expand it, which, which could actually include using tax money to... Um, allow people to travel to this state to to access abortion, um, which is a whole nother topic. But each individual state will be able to make their own decisions about abortion. And and one of the key critics of, of this move is that it will lead to more women's uh, either death or, or risks of, of their life. And, and um, again, on that podcast, I was listening to with that OBGYN from uh, West Virginia, that pro-life OBGYN. Um, very rarely is that the case uh, in in our in our world now. Now that's her saying that, not not me saying that. Um, so again, you, you can go back and listen to that uh, all all the things podcast, um, and it, it's a really informative one to listen to. But um, What's that? What's it mean for our individual states? Well, states will be able to determine um, what what they will do. Now, one thing we do have to pray about, if you are a person of faith, is that we don't allow these different choices that states get to make here, which which is uh, a proper way to understand how the Constitution is written. But the hope is, and and and. The, the prayer is that we don't allow that to drive a wedge between our states and their relationships. States can still exist. States can still uh, do things they want. We're, you know, it, it's one of those things that you hope that you don't see something like you see in, in California, where, where California has actually um, decided that they will not allow state funds to travel to different states for business. So, for example... Uh, California will not use funds for travel, business or otherwise, 
um, to be used to travel to the state of Montana because they disagree with them politically. Um, I think that's a really dangerous place to be, but um, I think our prayer has to be that people are willing to have conversations rather than just shut people off, uh, both from a state perspective and from an individual perspective. Um, and that's that's what I think is, is really important for us. So as we move forward, there's going to be a lot of things that, that, that happen coming up here, um, but we need to continue coming to the Bible as authority. We need to continue to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom um, as the Bible tells us to do. Um, and, and we need to, and this, again, this is if you're a person of faith, um, we, we need to be humble and hear people and their, their discussions and their positions. That does not mean we need to agree with them. That's really, really important. So as we move forward, regardless of where you stand on this situation, one of the things I would promote of you, if you are a Christian and if you are a believer is to have conversations that are absolutely laced with love and grace. And if someone walks away from a real conversation with you and they don't feel the love of Jesus, then you may have to reevaluate how you're having conversations. Um, so um, let's do our best to have those conversations in respectful ways. Let's do our best to, to continue to share the love of Jesus with people, even if they don't agree in in the worldview that Jesus promotes Christians to have, um, let's let's continue to love people in in real real ways. All right, guys, if you want to have more conversation about this, as I said earlier, I am I am total game for that. I love having conversations. It helps me learn some things. Um, so please don't hesitate to to reach out and and and, and uh, talk about this as we move forward. Um, and as always. Uh, Love you guys. God bless you guys. And, and we'll see you next time.